Good morning once again, everyone. It's very, very nice to be together, but it's a little bittersweet because this is the last event of this really incredible week. Every year we say this, and every year we say it with conviction and with truth, I think. This was the best one of all. <laughs> it's so wonderful to come together like this and participate, everybody participating, sharing, connecting, blessing each other. And in that, we feel the joy of God. I'm sure that you feel God's joy and God's love in your heart. And it's our job now to keep it, keep that feeling strong and to share it um, with others as we go out. So I will read from this week's topic. Does Satan exist? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The Bible tells us in chapter 4 of the Gospel of St. Matthew, Then, after baptism, was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. To most modern minds, this passage seems quaintly obsolete, Psychologists would say, have said in fact, that the temptation of Jesus, if it occurred at all, was purely psychological. They call it a projection of desires lurking in his own subconscious mind. The subconsciousness plays a strong part, certainly, even if not a unique one, in any testing the spiritual seeker must undergo. The Bhagavad Gita, in dealing with this undeniable reality, quotes Arjuna in the third chapter, and then Krishna's reply. Tell me, teacher, said Arjuna, by what force doth man go to his ill unwilling, as if one pushed him in that path? Krishna replied, Desire it is, passion it is, born of the darkness, which pusheth him, mighty of appetite, sinful and strong is this, man's enemy. Yet even Krishna describes passion as born of the darkness. The fact is, as Paramahansa Yogananda wrote in Autobiography of a Yogi, all thoughts vibrate eternally in the cosmos. Thoughts are universally and not individually rooted. A truth cannot be created, but only perceived. Psychology, yes, but psychology attuned to currents of consciousness that pervade the entire universe, attracted by each of us according to our own personal inclinations. Yogananda, quoted in the path, said, I used to think that Satan was only a human invention, but now I know 
and add my testimony to that of others who have lived before me, that Satan is a reality. He is a universal conscious force whose sole aim is to keep all beings bound to the wheel of delusion. We should take pains then to attract uplifting currents of universal consciousness and to avoid attracting the negative, which, diseased that it is, can infect our thoughts even while it leads us to believe that our thoughts are purely our own. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning, everyone. So this is the last event of our Spiritual Renewal Week, and uh, it's also a little bit uh, bittersweet for us because it's the last event that we'll be sharing with our community here in person uh, for the next three and a half months because we'll be leaving Wednesday morning for three and a half months in Italy and then on to India and uh, we invite all of you who would like to wish us well on our way to come to the crossroads of departure, the draw. Uh, at 8 o'clock on Wednesday morning, we'll be pulling out and heading off. So in years past, when Swamiji would do Spiritual Renewal Week, and uh, make no mistake when I said he would do it, he would do all of it. You know, every morning class, every evening program, everything. And I know when he, then when he would come to Sunday service, he would he would always use a certain phrase that I, I first I had to look up the word and then I came to understand what it meant. He said, I feel rather cavalier at this Sunday service. And I didn't know what he meant. I thought cavalier were like, you know, swordsmen or something. But what it means is relaxed, unbound by uh, <clears throat> convention and so forth. And I will understand how he feels. What I would much prefer that we could just all be singing and dancing in God's joy this morning. But then he would pull it in and he would give the Sunday service. So we will do the same. You know, when... <clears throat> Jyotish said this was the best spiritual renewal week ever. I was thinking about that earlier this morning. Why is it that they seem to be getting better and better? And I think I have the answer. It's because the people who are coming are better and better. And you draw more and more of God's presence. I remember some years ago, Swami said something that I, I couldn't accept it at first. He said, you all thank me for teaching you and guiding you, but you must understand, for me to fulfill my karma, I need you just as much as you need me. And so what if we gave spiritual renewal week and no one came? It wouldn't be very inspiring. <laughs> so the quality of all of you and those watching online, Devalila, who's in charge of our online 
uh, classes and virtual community and live streaming. So there are several hundred people all over the world watching from India and Singapore and uh, throughout America. So it's, it's really all of you that draw the grace of Guru. And I'm not just saying that facetiously. I mean that very sincerely. Because those of us who have been presenting can feel the difference it makes having people of your caliber here. So thank you. Thank you for your receptivity and your openness of heart that, and your attunement that draws Master's grace. It's also very fun sitting up here on the stage because we see this mist pouring all over you. And I like to think of it as the Holy Ghost, just <laughs> blessing you all forever. But Jyotish, and I hope this is true, <laughs> uh, Jyotish read the passage and, uh, from Rays of the One Light. And when Swami wrote that book, he used the translation of the Bhagavad Gita by Sir Edwin Arnold. But then subsequently, when he was writing Essence of the Bhagavad Gita based on Master's commentaries, he he doesn't know Sanskrit, so he couldn't translate it, but he tried to tune in to what the verse meant according to Master's interpretation of that verse. So I want to read to you because it's more... Uh, it's a more profound thought, just the two verses that Jyotish just read. This is how Swami channeled them. Let's use that word. So Arjuna says to Krishna, O Krishna, by what is one impelled, even against his will, to do wrong, as if he were being forced to do so? And our, uh, Krishna replies, it is desire, it is anger, both of which are impelled by Rajoguna. That's the difference. It, Edward Arnold probably didn't know what Rajaguna was, so he didn't mention it. By Rajoguna, know these to be man's greatest enemies. So what are the greatest enemies of our spirituality? Desire, which went frustrated, produces anger, and they are born of Rajoguna. These are the three enemies. For those of you, I imagine most of you know, but some of you perhaps don't, the three gunas are the three qualities that underline everything in the manifest world. They, they are the tamasic quality, tamoguna, which represents the darkening, the deadening, the downward-pulling quality, which permeates, has the potential to permeate everything, food, art, in, uh, architecture, movies, speech, everything. And then there's the rajas, rajoguna, rajasic quality, and that's the activating. And you might think, well, I thought we wanted to have energy and be active, and what's so wrong with that? Well, it's activating in the sense of projecting us out into the world. making It activates the delusion. So one might think it's the light beam that shines through the film that projects this whole drama and makes us think it's real. And then we think, 
oh, okay, well, I meditate, I do Kriya, I love my guru, but how can they tell me that that new car is not real? I mean, when I drive in it, it's fun. And that's the activate, the Rajoguna, and that's what keeps the game in play. That's why it's our greatest enemy. And then finally, Sat, Satwa, Satwaguna, the elevating. And that's when the energy, rather than going out and saying, isn't this fun, goes in and says, isn't this blissful? And that's the difference. And so the great enemy of moving outward and activating, engaging. And here we are on this point in time at Spiritual Renewal Week when it's over. And some of you will be leaving. Some of you will be going to New Zealand or faraway places like Roseville. And (laughs) some of you won't be leaving at all. You'll be driving up to uh, Kailash Cluster. But we are leaving an energy field, whether we travel through time and space or not. We have shared something here. I had a friend who had to leave yesterday, was here all week, and her life is now, she's going back to a life where a very long-time devotee, but a lot of problems that she knows she's going back to with her business, with her family, so forth. And she said, it's so hard to leave, but I will take this with me, and I know it will give me the strength. So the question is, how do we not get drawn out from this experience that we've had? Because it is a conscious. It isn't just like, well, there's some you know, aspects that aren't so good. There is a conscious pull, draw, force, that draws us out. And pulls us away from what we know better. And that's why the question, you know, it would be so wonderful, maybe maybe we'll do this sometime, to take the Bhagavad Gita and just look at the questions that Arjuna asks Krishna. Because they are, Swamiji describes Krishna or Arjuna as devotee every man. And so every question Arjuna is asks Krishna is some question that we come to at some point in our life. Why do we do things that make us un, that bring us suffering? And you know, if you ask the question, does Satan exist? I think it's maybe a little more helpful to ask the question, does suffering exist? Do, does human pain exist? That we know. And then trace it back to its root. Where does that come from? It comes from that conscious force which works through engaging us in this world And there we are, and we suffer and we suffer till we start asking the questions. Why do we do things that make us, that bring us suffering? Our son asked us that recently. It was amazing. And, and, you know, we said, ah, (laughs) good, good to ask that question. And so we need to ask the question now, how do we not leave what we have experienced for this week, for those who have been with us all week, for those of you who have just come today, how do we keep this this state? How do we not go out, as Christ said, and uh, he who comes into my kingdom will go out no more. Even though you get in the car and drive to the airport, you don't have to leave. And there are three things that I'd like to touch on that I hope will be helpful for you. 
And the first is remember and make this state of consciousness that you have experienced dynamic to your awareness. Don't, before you leave today, before we leave this Sunday service, and we're going to do a little exercise together, make it dynamic. What did it feel like? You know, if you recall, Swami tells the story when he was a young monk with at uh, in Master's Ashram at Mount Washington, and he would, every day before lunch, he would get a tray, uh, his, he'd go in the lunch line, get his lunch on a tray, put it aside, and then go meditate for a half hour, and then come back and eat. Well, one day he was going through this process, he went to meditate, but something else happened. He went into a very deep state. He was absorbed in God's presence, but then in the back of the mind, the little activating force kept saying, oh, my lunch, my lunch, it's getting cold, it'll dry up. And he said, I will come back to this. I will pick it up once again. And he left and he said it took him a long time. He didn't say how long, but I got the feeling a long time to pick up that state again. So let's try something right now. Let's close our eyes, sit upwards, upright, concentrate at the point between the eyebrows, and first do a little soul inventory. Relax your body, breathe easily and naturally. Think of points throughout this week, if you were here, or just think of your guru, points that especially touched you, something a speaker said, a, a chant, a song, an exchange with a guru by, a smile of a stranger. Think of something that deeply inspired you. Many things. And then go beyond. We'll take a moment and do that. And then... Go beyond the specific event and just try to dwell in the feeling. Feel it in your heart, the calmness, peace, joy, love. And bring it to the spiritual eye. And just let's sit with this for a moment or two. Remember, remember. All right, inhale and open your eyes. So every day when you meditate, try to keep this a living reality and it doesn't have to fade unless you, by your indifference, let it fade. And that is the truth. Every blessing you have ever received in your life, it, it's as real and as dynamic a gift as it was the moment you received it. It's just that we forget and we get drawn out by the Rajaguna and the world destroys our recollection of it. Now, so meditate and remember. The second thing is try to, wherever you go, 
Try to surround yourself. You can use the image of the mist blowing over you in the vibration of Aum, driving in the traffic, standing in the line in the supermarket, whatever it might be. Surround yourself in Aum. You know, uh, Swami tells us the story from the life of Dr. Lewis, Master's first disciple in America, who was so wonderfully portrayed the other evening in the play, where Master, uh, Dr. Lewis was lived in Boston, and Marcel did a fantastic Boston accent imitating him. Um, he was sailing his boat on Boston Harbor, and all of a sudden a big squall came up, and he was in mortal danger of being of the boat capsizing and drowning because no one could get to him. And all of a sudden, he, Dr. Lewis recounts later, he felt this overwhelming ohm vibration surrounding him greater than he had ever heard or felt. And the boat righted itself, and he was able, through this great storm, to bring it into the harbor and get home, drive home. And as soon as he walked in the door... What happened? The phone rang, and it was Master in Los Angeles. Dr. Lewis was in Boston, and Master said, You came close to getting what, Doctor? What can you say? And Dr. Lewis said, Yes, sir. And he said, Remember, Doctor, nothing can harm you if you stay in the ohm. So remember that when things get rough, when you are challenged, when you are just at the pit, uh, uh, the edge of the pit of falling in and doing things that you know aren't going to be right, chant Om and feel Master with you in that holy vibration. He always is. He always is. I look back on my life from coming to Ananda, certainly, but honestly, even before that, in this incarnation, and I realized that there, the sound of Om as Master was there, always there, and I didn't recognize it. I didn't know what it was, but little by little, it's as uh, there's a line in the Bible that says, "When I was a child, I saw as though through a glass darkly." But now my eyes are open, and I see your presence everywhere. So not through a glass darkly. Keep the windows of your soul clean and transparent so that you can feel that presence. And then finally, to not, to keep, let's put it positively, to keep what you have received, be a channel for it. There's a beautiful statement by a lovely saint of Christendom, St. Therese of Lisieux, a very humble, simple woman who died at a young age. She was French and had, didn't have a great mission, didn't write any books, but was a great saint. And towards the end of her life, she died young. I believe she had uh, tuberculosis. But... She, someone said to her, oh, sister, surely you will go to heaven when you die. And she said, and it's always stuck with me, I prefer when I die to go to hell because at least there will be one person there who loves God. 
So when you return, when we move on to the next point of time and space, remember, wherever we are, we can be in hell itself. And if you say, I want to be the one person in this block traffic, in this line of agitated, frustrated shoppers, in my office where everyone's competitive and trying to outdo the other, I want to be the one person who loves God. And Master has said, the channel is blessed by what flows through it. So if that flows through you, always chanting Om, remembering moments of inspiration throughout your life, we never have to leave. And as Master said, as Swamiji said at the end of the, in the film Finding Happiness, when the uh, reporter asked him, uh, how can I feel connected? He said, stay in touch. Last year when we were leaving on our long journey last fall, we said that to all of our dear Guru Bhais, let's stay in touch inwardly. And I say it to you too. Let's stay in touch, not on a personal level, not like we'll be we're sending emails and texts. I don't mean that. But let's stay in touch with spirit. Let's stay in touch with our guru. Let's vow from this day onward, never will my eyes drop below the horizon of thy presence, as Master said. And I'd like to conclude by reading from Whispers from Eternity. And may this be our goal and our reality from now on. O Divine Teacher, train me to recognize the difference between my soul's lasting happiness and the passing pleasures of the senses. Keep my eyes open that I be not deceived by my senses, decked out as they are in the stolen royal trappings and in the mirage cloak of false happiness, as thus disguised they entered the, they try to enter the mansion of my life. Discipline my unwise, wayward senses, that my pleasures be spiritualized, and that I look ever beyond the illusion of glittering, visible forms to find divine joy hidden, simply dressed in the white robes of humility. God bless you all.